Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I mean, I had this other show, and I didn't feel the need or the desire. And, and not only that, I mean, I just thought, you know, let other people do it. Let other people do it. There's a lot of names I'm leaving out that were in, like, the next generation of people who were on that show. Um, but uh, what I'm talking about is the fossil people, the people who started it, uh, the anthracite people. It got dug up out of the ground and turned into coal for everybody else. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. So let's start with the state of Nigel's health, because Nigel received his vaccine the other day, and yesterday was in the stew, was no good. What was yesterday like, and how is today so far compared to yesterday? Uh, yesterday felt like I'd been hit by a Mack truck. Um, mm-hmm. Today, I wouldn't say I'm 100%, but about, you know, 90%. Um, well, you're I, never I feel, 100%. It's yeah. true. We're all day to day. But yeah, no, I, I feel much better. I got energy. I mean, I, I could barely move yesterday. So, um, you know, you're, you're excited to get the vaccine. You're certainly excited to get the second vaccine shot so that, you you know, you're moving past all those things. But um, but yeah, it was definitely not a fun a fun day. I do want to uh, thank Michael who had walked this ground before me and was like, "All right, in ten hours, this is what you're going to feel. This is what you got to do to sort of uh, alleviate these symptoms." So so I do appreciate you walking me through all that. I'm Made like a the, the weather app giving you the hour by hour. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. So I don't. I mean, I don't want to be an alarmist, and I don't want to say that the CDC new guidelines are insane. So I'll pick another word. I will just say this that I don't know how you go from tremendous fear over people who have not been vaccinated, spreading this to people like them and also to people who have been vaccinated, and you say, caution is the watchword here. Let's keep the masks on, at least indoors. Let's keep them on indoors. To what is happening within the next two weeks in this country, where you are not gonna see any masks. And by the way, the people who have not been vaccinated most of whom don't want to be vaccinated. They're not going to identify themselves as unvaccinated people. They're not going to wear a sign that says, by the way, I haven't been vaccinated. And they're going to be walking around without masks and being, you know, spreaders of this disease, or certainly they will be more receptive to getting it. And everything is going to be dropped. And all of the capacity limits are going to be dropped. And it is as if... This is like what the governor did in Florida six months ago. He declared, no, we don't have it. We'll have it. So don't worry about it. Come down here and have a really good time. And that's what it seems like to me as we go at a much faster rate than I think is prudent to demask. That's what I think. What do you think? Well, I think that's why we're going to have to track the numbers because the numbers don't lie here. And I agree with you that it's gone a little bit faster than I wow. would have expected. But if we don't see those numbers increase um, at these high rates, and I think we have to try and take a look at, at where we are. I know what you're thinking, because as soon as I mentioned to you, old. we went to, so our, our group this weekend was, the adults were fully vaccinated. We went to a place that had ample outdoor space, and when you were inside, it was it was that, you know, event space that's cavernous, all the doors, windows are open. So as soon as I tell you this, you send me the you send me the email from the New York Times that's with right. the new CDC guidelines, which of course we've already seen. Uh, hmm. But no, that's, we're... I would have waited probably till Memorial Day because to, to me it's just going to open up. There, there's now nothing. I'm going to wear masks indoors everywhere, even when they drop the mask requirement, because I actually think it's smart 
to wear a mask indoors. I think it protects you indoors from any rum-dums out there who have decided that it's their constitutional right not to be vaccinated so come over and breathe when, on you. When will you get to a point where you won't wear a mask in certain indoor settings? Never is probably what I would say. I think I'm done ever going out to dinner again. Indoors. I think so I that have, makes me really sad. Why? Just because I... It makes I, me happy. I spend less money. <laughs> yeah, but that makes Paul, me happy too. You, know, you get more money. You get more money. You shouldn't feel bad about that. That's going to be our best summer yet. Yeah. Let me talk about a bunch of silly little things, <laughs> small things. Ryan Kerrigan has left the Washington football team. He was their number one draft choice 10 years ago. He's their all-time sack leader. He was a really, really good player. Yeah, he was a multi-time Pro Bowl player. And the current administration of the Washington football team, which is Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera and uh, Marty Herney, they think he's done. They don't care that he goes. They want to make room for other people on the defensive line. And so he's going to the Eagles. This is not like Bryce Harper leaving the Washington baseball team to go to the Philadelphia Phillies as he's about to go into his prime. Ryan Kerrigan's past his prime, but he's still a very effective player. Um, and it has made me, it has given me pause and made me chagrined that he got booted out the door like that because I thought there was probably something left. Am I wrong on this? No, you're not. It's Defense it, it is, is their calling card. Defense Washington. is their calling card. You yes. saw how it got them to the playoffs, and you're yes. looking at that path still takes you forward going through, but it, yes. it's a reminder of the sad reality of this business where he's lucky to make it this far into his career and then to be forced into a divisional rivalry. He, deep down, he, I don't know what his, what his ties are, but you probably don't want to go up by 95. I wouldn't think. I mean, it's the closest franchise in the NFC, physically, uh, you know, if he'd gone to Baltimore, that would be closer physically and he could maintain his home or something like that. But I don't know if Baltimore offered. I don't know. I just, I'm, it makes me a little bit sad. On another uh, note, Bob Baffert has been temporarily, in the words important, temporarily suspended from racing in New York State. I don't know how long that goes. The Belmont is in three weeks, Right. If he's still suspended for the Belmont, then Medina Spirit can't go in the Belmont if he was going to go at all. These are things that I don't know. I'm not going to say there's a piling on on Bob Baffert. I'm not going to say that. I wouldn't say there was a piling on on Manny Machado when he makes dirty plays and a double play to break up a double play. But I would say that Bob Baffert's suspension is eyebrow-raising in the sense that you wonder how it will affect the field at the Belmont and how long... I don't know what temporarily means. I'm not sure anybody Well, not just knows. even the field, but also the coverage. If you look at how great the coverage was this the past preakness. weakness, it yeah. was all day because you wanted to hear more about this. And yeah. there's just enough dif- distance with the Belmont to wonder, is it going to quiet it down where you're not? You don't have the, you don't have the, you know, you don't have the triple play in effect. So. You don't have the triple crown possibility, which is a reason when, when the Belmont is trying to play with your double play. You know. I understand. Uh, Belmont has 100,000 capacity. So when there's a triple crown, they go to 120. And when there's not a triple crown possibility, they're down to 40, 30 or 40. It makes a big that difference. that big of a jump? It makes a really big difference because, yeah, because, I mean, there's no really reason to be at the race because history can't be made. Another thing I wanted to talk about, Mike Jones is the head coach, at, was the head coach at DeMatha High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. For those of you who are not from this area, DeMatha is one of the... I'll just say 10, but I would say five, but I'll say 10. It's one of the 10 most important 
basketball high school programs in the country and has been for over 50 years. Um, DeMatha is where James Brown of CBS went to high school. Adrian Dantley went to DeMatha High School. Victor Oladipo went to DeMatha High School. Uh, who's that kid who failed with the Sixers but is doing okay in Orlando? Markel Fultz went to DeMatha High School. I believe that um, Danny Ferry went to DeMatha High School, along with Mark Maskey and David Aldrich, who also went to DeMatha High School. The former head coach, the first head coach there, Morgan Wooten, went to the Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall of Fame. How many high school coaches you think are in the Hall of Fame? Bobby Hurley's dad. You know, he's in the Hall. There aren't many. There aren't 10. You know, and DeMath is a real big deal. And Mike Jones took over for him. And Mike Jones has won 500 games at DeMath. And he left to take an assistance job at Virginia Tech. I don't know Mike Jones. I know somebody knows Mike Jones really well. Larry Bailey knows Mike Jones really well. Maybe I should have called Larry Bailey on this. But that's a job... DeMatha High School is a job where you can go and get a head coaching job at a good school. Morgan Wooten was offered, before Jim Valvano took it, North Carolina State. Okay, this is North Carolina State he was offered. There are people, when they go from high school to college, when they've done great at college, as Mike Jones has done great at college, they get head coaching jobs. So I was a little, weren't you a little bit surprised? A little bit, but then when you hear the stat line and you think about when he got this job, it kind of makes sense, particularly with the timing of He's when, good. when Wooten passed away. And then also what you didn't have for the last year, which is you've had the disruptive schedule. Yeah, you haven't, you haven't played. And so you've, you've, as a coach, you've been brought into students' lives in a way that as your basketball coach and a teacher, you would have, but this was more front and center. So if you actually look at the way he got the DeMatha job, it would actually make sense that even if you were offered that head coaching job, maybe you'd say, I'd rather sit on the bench with somebody else maybe. or a system I trust. Because he's group, never coached in or college. Or with a group of young players that I really believe can make some, some, some moves in the ACC because then I'm positioning myself to get the right job. I just looked at it and I thought, wow. I, you know, but I think there's, I a, large, there's a larger trend where you're seeing a lot of people who might have been very settled in career paths after the disruptions of COVID saying, I'm going to try something different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I felt the same way. I tried something different. I stayed yeah, in attic. my house, stayed in the attic. One other thing I wanted to say, and it's actually more important than all these other things to me. Uh, Marv Albert is retiring at the end of the TNT broadcast during the playoffs. They don't have the finals. ESPN has the finals. Marv Albert's going to retire. Marv's 80 years old. Marv's the greatest play-by-play. And I know play-by-play guys who I, are, I am friends with and who I like very much and respect enormously. And I would say Brent Musburger and Al Michaels, you know, at the top of that list. Marv's voice and Marv's calls, strictly play-by-play, basketball, hockey. Uh, and he did, for many years, he did Monday Night Football on radio. Marv's the best. He's just the best. Now, why do I say that? Well, I grew up in New York. And so, and Sean, you have the same thing. You you listen to Marv, do the Knicks and do the Rangers. Um you know, you, what is the great call? Yes. I mean, that's Marv. From downtown. You know, Marv, you know it's, it's the family business. His two brothers, Steve and Al, were, were announcers, are announcers. His son, Kenny, is an announcer. I mean, that's, you know, they're the Mannings of announcing. They are. And Marv's the best of them. Um, and I've known Marv a long time. And I love Marv, respect Marv, love Marv, think he's... Just great. I think he was quoted as saying 
now that he's done, he's going to take up things like ballroom dancing, which made me laugh because he's not going to take up ballroom dancing. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, Sean, did, don't you feel that way that Marv's the best? I, just so great and so evocative of those teams in that era, definitely. It's so hard to do hockey. Yep. You know, it's just so hard. And Marv was great. And Marv started as a kid. Marv was like 21 or 22 years old. He, he had that voice. Th those voices are gifts. Al Michaels' voice is a gift. Brent Musburger's voice is a gift. Charlie Steiner's voice is a gift. Charlie had that voice when he was a sophomore in high school. This is a great gift. You have the voice. Kevin Harlan, that's a gift, that voice. And Marv had it, you know. And there's nobody who ever heard him do the Knicks who doesn't it's like a code word yes <laughs> you know it's just everybody knows who you're doing you're doing Marv and he's worked with a lot of people over a lot of time and um you know I don't really think Marv's being forced out I think it's probably Marv's decision and I wish him all the luck in the world I wanted to say that so we will take a break when we come back Brian Windhorst will join us. We will talk indeed about the NBA. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X chair read. And it starts out, I love my new X chair. I've never had an office chair that looks or feels so amazing in my entire life. Honestly, it's so comfortable that I can sit for hours and never feel uncomfortable. That's a little bit over the top. You know, that's a little bit over the top. But I have moved through Michael's aid, we've moved the X chair up into the attic. Yeah, the game chair. Yeah, and we've been doing, <laughs> right, the, with the wings across oh, yeah. your head, the wings in the back of your head. Uh, we've been doing it for about a month up there, and it is extraordinarily comfortable. I'm really happy to sit in that chair. It is a really nice chair. The secret is not only their patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL support, which offers unbelievable lumbar support, lumbar spelled right, in this copy to my lower back but now thanks to their hxmt technology i can also get heat and massage therapy while i'm sitting at my desk i haven't done that i i grant you because i don't know how to do it and i don't think tracy knows how to do it well, Michael, we've gone over this you know i just don't know how to do it but the xhmt delivers heat and massage technology hence hx no x hmt heat massage technology Right to my core, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy. I wish I could put it on my ankle. Got a torn ligament in my right ankle. All perks that make working from the home or the office a joy. And Steve Rose got me the thing that I rest my foot on. Yeah, the foot rest. My foot rest. I have that now. It even has four different massage modes and fast warming heat technology for therapy when I'm sore. You won't believe the X chair difference until you feel the X chair difference for yourself. Trust me. It's the luxury supercar of office chairs. X chair is on sale now for $100 off. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, the name Tony.com, or call 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. X chair is a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. So go to xchairtony.com now. Use the code XWHEELS for free X-Wheel blade casters. If you don't have those, you know, you're barking up the wrong tree. You know, you want to go with those, with X-Wheel Blade Casters at xchairtony.com. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Don Stewart. His songs are always welcome on this show. 
This is from an album called Don Stewart, Volume 25. This song is called Always. He writes, I'm thankful that you're still doing the show. I hope you keep doing it for a long time. Long's relative at my age. I know lots of things have to end, but I hope your podcast keeps going for a long time because I need it. I know a lot of other people need it, too. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I watched Max Scherzer pitch this past week against the Yankees. I'd forgotten how fun it is to watch one of the greatest pitchers of all time do what he still can do. He's the best. Again, this is called Always You. It plays in Brian Windhorst, which makes me very happy that Brian is here. And I'm going to start. We're going to ask about the play-in games, and we're going to ask about other junk in the NBA because Brian knows all this stuff. Like, will Scott Brooks keep his job? But my first question is this. Who in God's name decided to put the Lakers and the Warriors, LeBron James and Steph Curry, the two most famous, most attractive, most compelling people in all of basketball, who decided to put that game on at 10 o'clock Eastern, which means <laughs> tomorrow night it's going to start at 10, 15 Eastern? Wilbon defended this yesterday by saying, who cares about I-95? Well, if I was a ratings guy, I would care about I-95. Nobody, nobody wants to see Memphis against San Antonio. So, Brian, why is this game on at 10 when it would be the highest rated game maybe in the whole playoffs till the finals? Um, am I correct in saying that the Capitals are playing the Bruins right now? Is that happening? Are they Capitals not- are playing the Bruins, yes. They're going into game three, yes. Okay, so this actually played a role. Um, the, they wanted the play-in tournament to be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But the Bruins have the arena in Boston for those games, I think, on Wednesday or something. And so, so they play tonight. They, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they forced the Celtics. They, they, didn't want, they didn't want to do it this way. Um, and they forced the Celtics to have to play on Tuesday, and it messed up the way it was going to be. Now, I don't think it was ever going to be at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, Tony, but it's possible that um, they could have uh, – done it a little differently and had that game earlier. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge because they obviously still love the San Francisco and L.A. markets. Um, I realize yeah. it's not New York, Washington, um, Boston markets, but they also don't want those, the game to be too early out there. So I, I do think that um, the Bruins needing um, TD Garden did throw a wrench into their plans, but um, I guess you'll find out about it on Thursday morning, like, uh, like, like the World Series and stuff like that. Am I crazy or didn't Adam Silver within the last two years say very specifically, we've got to get some of these West Coast games on earlier for people to watch them? I know he said that. Yeah, and all of the games were early last year in Orlando. Uh, this was a hu- this was a life changer for me because it meant that uh, my evenings were over at midnight or 1 a.m. instead of 3 or 4 in the playoffs. Um, right but the ratings were not good. <laughs> and uh, I know there's, there's a dozen reasons why the ratings weren't good, but um, I'm not sure that they uh, feel like playing earlier on the West Coast actually worked for the ratings. So um, maybe they're going back, but uh, I am bracing. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite like you as far as uh, early to bed, early to rise, but I struggle to stay up uh, to midnight, and um, that's not going to be my life for the next two months. Uh, I'm going to be up having to watch all of these games out there. And um, uh, that's just the reality of the world. I'm just suggesting that if you put Curry and LeBron on, that's your big, biggest chance for numbers in the NBA. That's your biggest chance. 
Well, they didn't. If you want start to play that at ten fifteen. Games, bottom line, they didn't want to play both West games the same day. They wanted right. to play an East game followed right. by a West game, and they could have started the right. East game at seven. Um, but blame the Bruins Capitals, I guess. Okay, well, at least that's a better answer than what Mike said is, well, the players always play at 7 o'clock their time, so it's good for them. I mean, for $45 million each, you can, you can change the time once. Anyway, let's stay with the game. Who you got? Lakers-Warriors has a great little statistic that Steph Curry this year only had 69 points in three games against the, the Lakers. His average would have been 96 points. He was only 9 of 26 from three. Wilbon says that was a different Steph Curry than the one that is shooting now, and, and I, can, I can understand that. So who do you like in this game? Well, Tony, I know this isn't an elimination game uh, because the loser does get to play another game. Yeah, but still plays. Yep. It feels like an elimination game, so I'm going to apply sort of Game 7 rules. And I, I know it's not like Game 7 because they haven't played each other for two weeks, but um, Game 7s are won by the home team 80% of the time. Um, so I think the home team is the, is the favorite, and the Lakers, when they want to, and they, you know, the Lakers have a, have three or four pretty good wins over the last couple of weeks. I know we've been focused on, you know, all these injuries and and all this other stuff with them, but they actually won five their last five games going into the yep. to the, the to the end. They they had a couple of really nice wins in there, um, and they defend, Tony. I mean, whatever you want to say about the Lakers, they are a really good defensive team, and they were a really good defensive team for about 90% of this season. And so I would expect the Lakers to defend, and, um, you know, of course Steph could hit 10 threes, and that'd be the difference. Um, LeBron is nowhere near 100% in my mind, but he is a contributing player, and he can do some things, and AD – I think has actually looked pretty healthy. So I think the Lakers are pretty potent, and I think they'll win, and I think they're dangerous. And as a terrible draw for Phoenix, terrible draw for Phoenix. Yeah, the worst possible. The, they get to the playoffs for the first time in a decade with this really good team, and they may draw LeBron the first round. Terrible luck. Uh, let's go to the next game. That, well, it's actually the preceding game, Memphis and the Spurs, a game I said nobody cares about, and I believe nobody in America other than people in Memphis and San Antonio care about it. But who do you who do you like in that game? Well, the Spurs have sort of limped in, um, and yeah. uh, you know they're missing Derek White, who's one of their uh, best players. Tony, I'm going to say something about the Spurs. The Spurs fans will know this, but I have no idea what to expect out of them. They can beat the best team in the league. They can lose to the worst team in the league. They can score 140 points. They can score 95 points. They have a lot of good players who can have great games. They have a lot of average players who can have bad games. I, to me, it's more about which Spurs team shows up, and I'll watch it because it's my job. But I agree. I, I think it, it, I, I think these are you know I know they don't count as playoff games. In my head, they are playoff games, especially that one. Yeah. That's an elimination game, and yes. I would like to see what John Morant does in his first setting in that situation. Um, I will watch for John Morant. Okay, I'll move to the East, and uh, you know the local team for me, the Wizards play in Boston. Boston is gassed. Boston yeah. stinks. They quit. Uh, I I know what you're saying about home t- games, but to me, the Wizards, you know, they're just a better team at this point, and they're they're pretty good right now. I think I read they were 17 and six over the last 23, though that seems way too high for me. But but they've been good. Westbrook has fit in. He's a great player. Beal is not a hundred percent, but yeah. it just seems to me that Boston has stopped playing. 
Well, at the trade deadline, they had something interesting. I know they traded for Evan Fournier, the guy from Orlando, and I know that looked like they were trying to win. But they yeah. made another move that day, and they traded Daniel Tice, who's their, who's their center. And the reason they traded him, Tony, was because they didn't want to pay the luxury tax. And while they would never announce this, and if Danny Ainge was on this call, he'd probably dispute it, but the reality was they traded him to stay out of the luxury tax because they didn't believe in this roster. They didn't believe this was a team that was worth paying the luxury tax for. And they've had really good success. They've been to the, you know, they went to the conference finals three out of four years. I mean, yes, you know, yes. you know and they, they knew this team wasn't having it. And then, you know, look, again, it's not my wrist. I can't say for sure. But Jalen Brown electing to have the surgery instead of trying to play through the injury, which he could have and delayed the surgery, was another indication of where he thought this team was. That doesn't mean they're not going to beat the Wizards. <laughs> they could do it. I mean, Jason Tatum's a good player. You know, they can. You know, they have their moments, especially at home. But I think even Celtics fans would admit they're just trying to get this over with. And um, you know, I got to say, you want to know what the play-in tournament did for me, Tony? On Sunday afternoon, I was watching a Hornets Wizards game at one o'clock in the afternoon. If nothing Crazy. else, um, it got me interested in a situation like that. And um, you know, in, in, in again, in any single game, if you have Russell Westbrook, anything is possible. I agree with that. I, I mean, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs because I think they'll beat, even if they don't beat Boston, which I think they will, they'll beat the winner of Charlotte, Indiana. Though I look at Indiana and I think, what's wrong there? They should be better than they are. Am I right on that? Well, they've had some injuries. Um, Miles Turner is out. Uh, TJ Warren, who was really great in the bubble for them last year um has been out the whole season so they're missing two of their like five best players but mm-hmm. also it's relatively clear the players don't like the coach yes um seems that way uh and their best player domas sabonis um arvidas's son he's an all-star really has had trouble with the coach and um he only signed a t- he's only signed a two-year contract which you never want to, it's really unfair to give a first time head coach one year, but they signed him to a two year contract, um, which is not exactly a vote of confidence. And so um, we'll see. I, again, I think they're, they're kind of like the Spurs. You can check in on them on a random Wednesday and they'll, they'll beat the Nets, they'll beat the 76ers, but you can check on them on the following Wednesday and they will lose to the Thunder. Um, and they will give up 145 points doing it. So, um, again, I will watch that game because I'm compelled to, but I think even the Pacers fans would admit this has been a difficult season to endure. What coaches do you expect to be fired? Do you th- well, Scott Brooks, and they've done very well in the last 30 games. Scott Brooks is in the fifth year of a five-year deal paying an extraordinary amount of money for somebody who's had no it results, $35 million for you know, garbage most of the time. Is he going to be renewed? Is he one of the guys that's out? How many guys are out? I think he will be. I think he'll get a new, it will be a short contract, but I think he'll get a new contract. Um, Russell Westbrook has two years uh, on left on his deal, and it would not surprise me if Scott Brooks gets a contract that matches Russell Westbrook. It's, mm-hmm. I, think, I think Westbrook has two plus a, a player option, so it wouldn't surprise me if Scott Brooks gets two years plus a team option. Uh, Westbrook loves him, Tony. Westbrook loves him. Um, and uh, Ted Leonsis loves Russell Westbrook. 
Um, he was, you know, they, they honored him last week um, for setting the triple double mark uh, for beating Oscar. And Ted was, I was watching it, and Ted was very happy to be out there alongside Russell to honor it. And Ted doesn't like to fire people anyway, as you know. So, he does not. Yeah, I, I think Scott's going to be there. And, um, uh, you know, they have some, some stuff going for them. They need another giant piece. But the big question for the Wizards of this offseason is not Scott Brooks. It's Bradley Beal. Uh, Bradley Beal is extension eligible. He has a year left, but if he uh, doesn't sign it, you know, the clock starts ticking. In fact, Tony, this is not going to be a very exciting summer of free agency, but there's like six or seven guys who have a year left on their contract, and most of their teams are going to come to them and say, let's extend. And some of those guys are going to extend, and it's going to be okay. That's going to be business as usual, but not all of them will. And those guys who don't extend – that's going to become interesting. And Bradley Beal's at the top of that list. So that's the biggest thing for the Wizards in the offseason. And I, I got to tell you, Tony, I think there's a good chance he will. And, and I don't know if it's going to be a full five-year, $200 million extension or he'll go another short extension like the one he's on right now. But I know that half the teams in this league have their Bradley Beal trade uh, ready to go and ready to call in as soon as he wants out. But I have not gotten the impression that that is anywhere in the offing, regardless of how this play in tournament goes. They look, they've, you know, they don't have much other than those two guys, but what they've got <clears throat> every once in a while seems to come through. I will say this that the trade, the trade that got rid of John Wall and brought in Russell Westbrook, is one of the great trades in NBA history. I mean, John Wall is that team. Even if he plays every day and plays great, that team's not going to win more than 25 games at any year that he's on it. And Russell Westbrook has made an enormous difference in Washington, yes? Yes, although I have to say December and January wasn't looking so good. Okay. Um, but, you know, Russ is a relentless player. And, um, you know, he. The thing, about, the thing that's amazing about Russ, you know, we think of him, and his legacy, Tony, will be triple doubles. I know he won the MVP, but when he is when he is 57 years old or 68 years old, and he's introduced at a boxing match or an NBA game. They'll introduce him as Mr. Triple Double. That's what he's going to be right. known for. But right. he's way better than that. Like when he was getting that MVP in Oklahoma City, he was chasing those triple doubles. There was a lot of nights where he was stealing rebounds, and Stephen Adams, basically his job on free throws was to block everybody out so that if it missed, Russ could get it. And he chased a lot of them. He was chasing that stat. Those days are over. He doesn't chase the triple-doubles anymore. He just gets them because of how um, impactful he is. And, I mean, this run that he's had last six, eight weeks, he, he's not getting triple-doubles with 10 rebounds and 11 assists. He's getting oh, no. 17 rebounds and 13 assists, 20 and 20 and all this stuff. I mean, he's, he's a force. And, and we could probably have a debate for two hours about whether or not he can win at the highest level the way he plays. But, you know, for a team like Washington that, you know, needed a major in talent infusion to keep Bradley Beal put while you try to work on finding the right pieces, that was a home run. I'd not get you out of here on this. I'm happy to hear that. The Clippers have tanked in order to avoid playing the Lakers in the second round. They've lost to two dreadful teams. You have to work really hard to lose to Houston and Oklahoma City. And they did it, and they clearly did it deliberately. Does that make them smart or just weak? We need to come up with a um, with a with the word beyond tanking because what this was was beyond tanking. Tanking is when you 
you know, bench your best players and, you know, know that you're going out with a disadvantage with the hope of, of, you know, improving your lottery position. These guys took a dive. And (laughs) this, this, this fourth quarter of this Oklahoma city game on Sunday, neither team wanted to win. Um, at least in the front office and the coaching staff, the players are still going to do it. But what they did, Tony, this, this poor guy, Daniel Oturu, who's a rookie center for the Clippers. He was completely undersized. Um, Tony, I want to tell you this. He got his shot blocked eight times. Okay. (laughs) Eight times. He had taken 30 shots on the year for the entire season. He took 21 in that game. He made five of them. Okay. Hmm. Yet in the fourth quarter, play after play after play coming down the court, here's Ty Lue on the bench calling for him to get post-ups. They were taking a dive. They were, I mean, and the Thunder over there going, maybe we should double team him, not double team him because he's going to score, but because if you double team him, he has to pass the ball and whoever he passes the ball to has a better chance of scoring. It's the, it was inverse basketball going on. You had the two coaching staffs trying to figure out how they could put losing basketball out there. But the difference is, is that the Thunder um, have been tanking for two months trying to get a draft pick, and you know that's a different topic, but that's been going on for decades. This Clippers message that they sent, that their players sent, that we are afraid of the Lakers, and I don't like using that word, Tony. I, I hear the word afraid, and it turns me off. Because, you know, this happens in, in modern, you know, somebody, some player is injured and doesn't play, and somebody says, oh, he's afraid of that team. That's ridiculous. But I don't know how else to take away what the Clippers did. How can you purport to be a championship team and take a dive like that so that you can avoid playing the Lakers? Um, and I know that if, that if their front office came out and pulled out whiteboards and everything like that, and by the way, I'm close with many members of their front office. Some of them I consider friends. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous that they would that they would guide it that way. Jerry West is in that front office. I cannot believe the competitor Jerry West would ever have allowed something like that to happen as a player. It was just absolutely ridiculous. And again, it's not apples to apples with other tanking situations. And um, if I were the Lakers and I ended up playing the Clippers in these playoffs, and a lot of water has to go into the bridge for that to happen now because of the way the Clippers position mm-hmm. themselves, and maybe, as you say, that strategy actually pays off for them. If I'm the Lakers, I'm looking at them going, I'm already up 1-0 in our heads, and that's not a place you want to be, especially for some guys who are looking to prove that they aren't intimidated by the Lakers. I hope they get to play. I really do, and I hope they get beat for nothing. but that's just me. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Brian. Enjoy. Have a great week, Tony. You too. Brian Windhorst, boys and girls, who I love having on this show. We will take a break. We will come back. Jeff Passan. Yes, Jeff Passan joins us when we return. Talk baseball. Yes. Yes, that is correct. Wonderful. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad, and it's very well written. It's May and things are blooming, including cicadas. Why not see if your home and auto insurance savings can bloom, too? We're almost halfway through the year. Head into June with one last thing to worry about. See if you're overpaying for home and auto insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. Who doesn't want that? They've saved shoppers up to $1,055 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. 
getting started is easy. You head to policygenius.com. You answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property, and Policy Genius will take it from there. They will compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, to find your lowest quotes. They will look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And if they find a better rate than what you are paying now, they will switch you over for free. I don't know why anybody wouldn't do this. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, here's Don Stewart with a song from his album called Don Stewart, Volume 25. This is called Underground. Michael, if people like Don Stewart want to send us their original music so we can play it on the podcast, then it will be interrupted when you listen to the pod at the end of the podcast. How do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizershow.com. And do we have a Johnny O code to tell people about? Yeah, we're still sending out TK May. So it's still May. Oh, yeah. It's still May. It's not Dustin May, who's on the DL at the moment. <laughs> no, but it's I do think it. they have some lovely red shirts. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, this plays in Jeff Passan. We're going to talk about baseball. I'm going to start with, with the top of mind story because it I'm not confused by it because I think it's a face saving gesture and I think it's also a gesture of anger but I wondered how you felt and why the Dodgers picked up Albert Pujols and why Albert Pujols went to the Dodgers when you're not going to beat out Max Muncie every day and there's no DH Tony I will answer this question I promise I is there a Don Stewart volume one through 24? Because that I is don't extremely know. <laughs> prolific to have 25 <laughs> volumes of music. Well, it might just be a title that he thought would pique your interest and ask that <laughs> same question. It clearly worked. It clearly yeah. worked. All right, yeah. Albert Pujols. Um, yeah. I, I think the pettiness here is with Albert. I think there probably were opportunities that he could have gone to and maybe, you know, gotten a couple more at bats or uh, gotten a little more run out in the field. I think he wanted to go up I-5 and win a World Series and shine the diamonds just so they hit the sun and beam directly toward Anaheim and into the eyes of the Angels employees who did not want him there anymore. Uh, Albert Pujols is an extraordinarily proud man, an extraordinarily accomplished man, and I think he did not want to go out like that. And so doing anything in the backyard of the Angels uh, is going to be a priority for him and and he's never going to say so like he's he's a classy guy he's not going to smear anyone on the way out he said all the right things in his press conference but in his heart of heart you know that he is a dogged competitor and that so much of the motivation that's brought him to where he is today to this clear easy first ballot hall of fame career comes from that and he's never going to lose that as I often say to Wilbon, as in never, I could not agree with you more. I feel exactly the same way. I think it was very important for him to go to the Dodgers so that when the Angels turned on the television set and they picked up the mm -hmm. newspapers the next day, they could see mm -hmm. Albert Pujols had a key hit for them and not for the Angels. I think he walked out of there feeling 
that he was treated shabbily and he walked into one of the great organizations in all of sports. And I, you know, I agree with you completely, completely, because when they do get it turned around, as they do over 162 games, <clears throat> they're going to the playoffs and they're the best team in baseball, right? They're the best team. Yeah, they are. <laughs> when, okay, let's, let's say this. If everyone gets healthy, um, Corey Seager broken hand concerns me just because any time a hitter um, gets a broken bone in his hand, whether it's something like the pinky or the thumb or something on the top of the hand like Seager, um, anytime someone gets a broken bone, you wonder how long it's going to take to recover because hand strength is just so important. And quite often you see guys with hand injuries and their power sapped for, for months at a time. Um, you know, what's Cody Bellinger going to look like when he comes back? Uh, that, we haven't seen him or we've barely seen him this year at all. So that's a legitimate question, too. But I look at this rotation and Clayton Kershaw has been good and Julio Arias has been good and Walker Bueller has been good and Trevor Bauer has been great. I mean, that's an excellent playoff rotation right there. Their bullpen has not been good, but a bunch of guys have been hurt. And the Dodgers have the ability to go out and trade for pretty much whoever they want to trade for, too, mm-hmm. if they want to start mm-hmm. chasing rings. So they're going to be in great position. I think when it's all said and done, Tony, at the beginning of October, when I am doing playoff predictions, I am making a prediction of a prediction. I predict that I will predict that the Dodgers will be champions yeah. again in 2021. You mentioned Seeger and you mentioned Bellinger, and my son and I talk about this a lot. There are so many injuries this year to Ooh. pitching arms, to everyday players. Do you, is there a theory that you subscribe to that can explain the tremendous amount of injuries this year? I'm not the person yet who's sitting here and saying that because of the pandemic— because of the shortened 2020 season, ergo, we have this, this great flood of injuries. Uh, and I'm not doing it because while those two things are clearly correlated, I've yet to understand the compelling evidence to say that they're causative. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and without that evidence there, I think it's just speculation. I think it's just an easy narrative. Oh, baseball players didn't play as much last year. Therefore, they are having more soft tissue injuries. I, I don't see what that connection is necessarily. Now, with arms, it's a little bit different if you get deeper into the season, Tony. And that's where my concern is. Are guys going to hit walls? Are they being pushed at a normal level when their bodies may not necessarily be ready to handle it? But the soft tissue stuff, we see it every single year. In April and May, there are more hamstrings and there are more obliques and there are more of those types of injuries than there are later in the year. And typically that's attributable to weather and, and to guys not being stretched out sufficiently. So uh, I, I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm just going to look at it and say, 
God, it sucks every time someone who's really good goes down with an injury, whether it's a muscle pull or getting hit with a baseball in the face. Okay. All right. Well, we'll wait. We'll wait for evidence to be in as we wait for our own bodies and we see how we react to vaccines and stuff like that. Joe Girardi yeah, sure. almost got in a fight. Um, what's mm. the deal with that? What happened there in <laughs> Philadelphia? I, you know, I look at any time there's almost a fight in the dugout, I, I tend to attribute that to, um, you know, Neanderthal emotions running high. And, and I don't think that there's anything at this point personal and uh, I, I don't think there's anything problematic. Um, I do think that the Phillies are very, like, on the cusp of being a disappointing team. And I think there's, there's this underlying frustration there that we have Aaron Nola and we have Zach Wheeler and we have Zach Eflin and we have Bryce Harper and we have JT Real Muto and we're a 500 team. Why? You know, what, what is it that's keeping us stuck at, in this place? Um, and I, I think that this is, this has been something that's hanging over the Phillies for years now, you know, we're what three years, Tony into Bryce Harper's contract. And they haven't sniffed the playoffs at this point. Um, it's, it's a big time with the Phillies and, uh, just as you, you saw the, uh, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil situation when the Mets were struggling. There was a, you know, there was a fight over the rat and the raccoon there. Um, You're going to have those types of situations that I think are especially exacerbated when teams just aren't playing to the level that they believe they should. I, I buy that. The greatest, of course, the greatest dugout fight is Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin. I was yeah. rooting for Reggie. And it didn't actually get to swings, but it, but Reggie took his glasses off because he thought it was going to. Uh, let me move on. Let, tell the people about the story you have written, please, about a baseball player trying to make a comeback after a suicide attempt. Uh, his name is Drew Robinson. He was with the Texas Rangers and St. Louis Cardinals for 100 games and had signed with the San Francisco Giants before the 2020 season. Um, Baseball, maybe I'm saying this because I cover it, Tony, but I think baseball mentally might be the hardest sport of any. Um, The inherent failure in the game is pervasive, and the length of the season is not just from April to September. I mean, it's a year-round sport now and so there is no downtime and you know drew was someone who mentally just never was in the right place to play the game he was down on himself and uh his self-talk was just as negative as it gets and he was uh, unbeknownst to himself he was really depressed and pandemic hits baseball shuts down he is back in his home by himself after having broken up with his fiance. Um, and he decides he wants to end his life and shoots himself in the head. And then he opens his eyes. And for the next 20 hours, Tony, it is one of the most 
harrowing things I've ever been told, ever heard, ever seen. This man who has a hole in his head trying to decide, do I want to live or not? And he comes to the realization, Tony, that he wants to live. He loses his right eye. And he says, I want to do three things with my life. Number one, I want to help other people because they need to understand that they don't have to do what I did, that there's someone there to help. Number two, I want to repair my relationship with my family. And uh, that is something that he's done. And number three, I want to play baseball again. He's a left-handed hitter, Tony, and he doesn't have his right eye. And he goes out wow. there, and the Giants give him what many in the game believe was just a token tryout, you know, go back out there. And he hits a couple home runs in spring training. Uh, he's starting on opening day for the Giants AAA roster, and he is continuing to play right now. And in one of the, the – not one of the great stories. It's the best story I'll ever do. Like, it really is the, the emotion, the importance, everything together. But on top of that, it's like, how is this guy doing this? How did he survive 20 hours? How's he out there playing baseball with one eye? It's just one after another of those incredible things, and he's an incredible person uh, doing what he's doing. And this can be read on ESPN, right? Yes. Uh, it can. There are a couple of stories on ESPN. Uh, there is a, uh, a documentary called Alive, the Drew Robinson story that's streaming on ESPN Plus, And we've got uh, a 90-minute wow. version of that. There's, a, there's like a 60-minute version. We've got the, the Zack Snyder cut coming soon. <laughs> wow. So, uh, you know what? That's great. Uh, congratulations on that. And congratulations to him that he is continuing to go on that same path, right? That he's trying. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's, great. It's just, it's, it's one of those things that you're going to watch it and it's going to break your heart and fill it at the same time. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's an inspiration. It really is. Thank you, Jeff. We will talk soon. Appreciate it. Jeff Passing boys Tony. and girls. That was great. That's, that makes you want to read that and see it and all of that. Uh, we will take a break. At this point, we will have email and jingle when we return. Am I correct on the order of the show, Nigel? That is correct, yes. Wonderful. And when I say am I correct on the order of the show, it's because we we're out of order today, and I don't really know where we are. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Hot pink hangover. <laughs> you Punk blush rock. every time. Love it. Just love it. I absolutely love it. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? You were back out on the on the prowl this morning. Yes, it was great to be back uh, out there and great to go to Bethesda Bagels. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. And perhaps you will get egg sandwiches made on a bagel. Some people bagel call sandwiches. them bagel sandwiches. That's what we call bagel them. Sandwiches. <laughs> we bagel sandwiches. Bagel sandwiches. We have them today. We're happy. <laughs> yes. All right. That's just about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. That is 
the Beach Boys song that Paul McCartney listened to and said, wow, <laughs> that one is great. It's also the beginning of the Brian Wilson movie, if you have not oh, seen yeah. that movie. Thanks to our guests today, Brian Windhorst and Jeff Passan. Thanks to our sponsors today, X-Chair and Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Dr. Joe DeRosa, MD, Greenville, South Carolina. After your recent dealings with health insurance, I was going to weigh in with my own experience with insurance providers over the past 20 years practicing medicine. But then something happened over the weekend that is far more important than your ankle or the current state of health care in America. Saturday night after putting the kids to bed, I sat down to watch an episode of The Americans. I've wanted to watch the series for a while now after hearing you talk about it on the podcast years ago, and I finally started it a few months ago. I'm in season three now, and while watching Philip and Elizabeth sit in a bar discussing their latest dilemma, I heard a familiar voice in the background exclaim, oh, what a shot. I sat up and yelled, that was Tony. I know that guy to an otherwise empty room. My version of a David Aldridge moment, I guess. Anyway, best of luck with your ankle. Maybe I'll write in another time to comment on healthcare and insurance, etc. But unfortunately, I think your old friend Don Olmeyer had it all figured out. I'm going to see uh, Dr. Paul Cooper today after the podcast to see about my ankle. I hope that works out. Will you fix your mic? Oh, I'm sorry. Did That's I okay. move my microphone? I'm sorry. From Bob Walsh in Wethersfield, Connecticut, the littles are getting together again like we did in 2019 when over 100 littles gathered on the same day at 21 different locations around the world. This year on August 7th, that would be 8 7 21. The event that Ed Butt has dubbed Summer of Littles 3.1 will take place, providing another opportunity for Littles to meet up at locations close to them. There are already 14 confirmed venues. Folks that are interested can find out all about the Summer of Littles 3.1 by visiting the event's website, summeroflittles.com. On it. Summeroflittles.com. As little Lee Gordon has declared, finally, August has a holiday. From John in Herndon, Virginia. The tiger and the monkey were last seen leaving Houston on the I-10 West in the back seat of a driverless Tesla. They were overheard talking about meeting up with a Havilene in Scottsdale and catching the last train for the coast. From Marcus in Phoenix, as the crew discussed the tiger in Houston and his escape, the man who took the tiger, I couldn't help but think of the classic Randy Newman song, I Love L.A. I started singing to myself with a big, nasty bangle at my side. Big, nasty redhead at my side. Uh, from Samuel Plazak, me undies putting corgis on my dachshund. Interesting. Mm -hmm. To the emailer claiming Buffalo was a Midwestern city. I recently moved to Savannah, Georgia. I live about a mile inland from the Atlantic Ocean. With Buffalo, New York being at 79 degrees west longitude and Savannah being 89 degrees west, do I live in the southwest? No, you don't. You live in the east coast of, of Georgia, Savannah. From Eric Samuel in Orinda, California, I've been following this whole mess with the Colonial Pipeline, and I think I've found the solution. It's really thanks to following you and your alma mater. If they rename it the Bearcat Pipeline, it will surely be able to win more games at Division I AAA. P.S. I live in the same area as Jeannie McManus's sister, and I regularly swim at Camp Olindo High School. I wonder if I know Jeannie's sister. Well, we'll ask Jeannie. We'll ask her to find out. From Chris Ely in Dayton, Ohio. I had my proudest moment as a little last week. While watching the Big Shot pilot, my 10-year-old daughter paused the show and said, Dad, look, it's Tony. I looked up and saw you and Wilbon on the PTI set discussing the downfall of John Stamos's character. Then she and my 17-year-old daughter discussed how I've had emails read on the podcast. The only thing missing was you shouting, what a shot, when Stamos hits the referee with a chair. Opportunity missed. 
we just read the lines that we were given. We don't even know what the show is or, or what the plot is or anything like that. You know what we did? We read the lines and we cashed the check. That's what we did. From Paul in Lindsay, Ontario in Canada. Heard you mention Ellen stand-up a couple of times. and You said it was 30 years ago. I thought you might like to know she returned to stand-up a couple of years ago and released a special on Netflix called Relatable. If you enjoyed her 30 years ago, you will enjoy this special. Maybe Michael can show you how to stream it. I didn't know she was still doing comedy. I did not know that. From Gary Drossel in Laguna Niguel in California. My church was looking for someone to volunteer as a sound engineer. During the interview, the music director asked me what kind of experience I had. I said, when you turn it to the right, it gets louder. I'm still waiting to hear back. If you're out on your bike tonight, as always, everyone, do wear white. If I wish one of your guys had children so I could kick them in their head or stomp on their testicles so you could feel my pain because that's the pain I have waking up every day. And that's who Wilbon saw at the Hall of Fame.